Amen. Man, can you say he's good? Good stuff, man. What a way to get started. Thank you, Gary. Team. Now, as the children make their way downstairs, let me uh, remind you uh, that we are having a luncheon immediately after church uh, for our Guatemala mission team to kind of share their experiences in Guatemala. We've got some pictures around the sanctuary that you can take a look at. And uh, we, we, we have food on the border is uh, going to be catering that. And there should be food uh, for as many of you as, as want to stay. So let me encourage you, if you didn't get signed up for that, stick around and uh, listen to what God did through this team. Uh, we're going to continue this morning in our relationship Goals series, Living and Loving God's Way, um, with a message entitled Family Dynamics. Family Dynamics. We've talked about different lines of relationship uh, in this series. We've talked about our relationship with God. We've talked about our relationship uh, in, in marriage. We did two weeks on that. Last week, we looked at what the Bible has to say about relationships with friends and uh, finding true friends in our lives. Uh, so today, we're going to talk about uh, family relationships uh, relating to relatives, um, as some of you can attest, it can be an extraordinarily complex endeavor. Um, why is that? You know, as I thought about that this week, I think because it's so multifaceted, you know, within most families, and I was thinking about our own family, we're constantly shifting relational spheres and relational responsibilities and our roles in different relationships. We, we relate to our spouse on one level. We, we relate to our children on another level. We relate to our parents on a different level. Our siblings we relate to on yet another level and our extended Family. So there are a lot of relational lines, relational roles, relational responsibilities within the family dynamic. And sometimes it can seem disorienting trying to juggle family relationships. I'm sure I'm the only one in the room that can relate to this. Um, but uh, how many of you have ever experienced that kind of sort of dizzying, disoriented pressure, if you will, in family relationships. Just me. Outstanding. Yeah. You guys probably don't even need to be here. That was such great worship. You may even need to, you could just go on home. You know, my mom, uh, who passed away a couple months ago, uh, moved in with Kim and I uh, shortly after my dad uh, passed away uh, 14 years ago. And mom lived with us for 13 Years, uh, Caleb and Rachel, uh, you know, who are now uh, grown and almost gone. They were 9 and 11 years old when Mom moved in with us. So for 13 years, Kim and I had this multifaceted relational dynamic uh, in our home. You know, she and I relating to one another as spouses, uh, as parents, relating to Caleb and Rachel, uh, them relating to us, me, a son, relating to my mother in that context, Kim, a daughter-in-law, mother-in-law, grandchildren to grandmother, grandmother to grandchildren, 
And then you factor in the relatives that didn't live with us. That's a lot of relational lines. And, you know, as we reflect on that, we are so thankful that, that we, you know, listened to, to what God was, was whispering to us. We brought Mom in to live in our home. And there was a whole lot of joy uh, through those years. But I'm going to tell you, honestly, man, it was tough at times. And, and no exaggeration. I don't want to undersell it. I mean, it was tough at times to have that much family together in the home and to navigate those different relationships. So the question is, how do we honor the relationships that God has clearly formed us for in our families. And that's what I want to talk about today. Reggie Joyner put it this way, and I love this. He said, the first priority of the family should be to establish a quality relationship with each other that is a reflection of an authentic relationship with God. And let that soak in for a minute. I couldn't agree with it. The first priority of our family should be to establish a quality relationship with each other that reflects our relationship with God. And an authentic relationship with God is really the secret sauce, if you will, to having healthy family relationships. Valuing Jesus Christ in your home. Valuing the instruction of the Scripture in your home. Valuing worship and the community of Christ in your home. You, me, pursuing a real and authentic relationship with the living God is the key to healthy family relationships. Loving our spouses, parenting our children, honoring our parents, loving our our siblings, spoiling our grandchildren. And it's best done when it rises out of a real relationship with God, the creator of the family. You know, family was God's idea. And we can make the most of it or we can make a mess of it. Paul put it this way, in what I think is the most family-centric passage in the New Testament, in Ephesians 5 and 6. If you've got your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, or go there on your phone or or your iPad, Ephesians chapter 5. Paul puts it this way, sort of as a, as a guiding passage over Ephesians chapter 6, which is dealing with all these different family relationships. Paul says this, be imitators of God. <laughs> be imitators of God. Well, how do we imitate God? I mean, God, God is spirit. God, we're created in his image. Our spirits are created. Our souls created in his image. But how do we imitate God? Well, we imitate God by looking at Jesus. Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen who? You've seen the Father. And so Paul says, be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children and live a life of love. We're in God's family if we have stepped into a relationship with Jesus. He says, as dearly loved children, live a life of love just as Christ loved us 
and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And Jesus gave himself up as an offering for us, as God's family. He was a fragrant offering, not a stinking sacrifice. What does that mean? He didn't complain constantly about the sacrifice God had asked him to make for the family. And sometimes it's hard not to do that. He joyfully set himself aside for the sake of his family. And that family is you and I and the countless others who gather at the foot of the cross. Paul says, if you want to improve your family dynamics, be imitators of that. Be imitators of Christ. In other words, look to God first and foremost and then live like Jesus. And as a son looks to his father for counsel and advice, we seek the same from our heavenly father when it comes to our families. And the greatest thing you can do for your family and the health of those relationships is to personally Pursue an authentic relationship with God. To acknowledge Jesus Christ as His Son and your Savior and model your life after His. A multitude of family messes would be cleaned up if that priority was in every home. You know, it's been said you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your what? Family. It's true. Desmond Tutu, I love the twist he put on it. He said this. He said, you don't choose your family. God does. They're God's gift to you as you are to them. Kind of changes our perspective. The reality is sometimes we get gifts we don't really know what to do with. <laughs> Ever got a gift for a birthday present or at Christmas and you unwrap it and you're like, what in the world? And you just kind of, yeah, that's awesome, thanks. What do I do with this thing? Some of you got kids like that. Some of us have kids like that. Some of you have got uncles and aunts. Everybody's got that aunt. And what do we do with her? But God doesn't make mistakes. He's put you in the family that he's put you in for a purpose. Hear that. Wherever God has you, in the family that he's placed you in, he has put you there for a perfect. He's sovereign. It's not an accident. It's not a coincidence. And he's put you there for the purpose of conforming you into the likeness of his son. So look to him in the midst of it. And live like Jesus. And it doesn't always change the other person's behavior, but it does change how we respond to it. You can't control the actions and the reactions of family members, but you can choose to view them as God-given gifts and love them as Christ has loved you sacrificially. Second key to improving family dynamics, saturate your home with love and respect. Saturate your home with love and respect. Paul goes on to say in Ephesians 5, in this classic marriage passage here, and we talked about this passage for two weeks, he says this, he says, Each one of you 
Speaking of husband and wife, must love his wife as he loves himself, the husband. And the wife must respect her husband. Again, we talked about this. Love and respect being the foundational pillars of marriage. And God put those pillars in place knowing that what parents model, children follow. And so as a husband and wife, if we model these pillars well, love and respect in front of our children, our homes become saturated with love and respect. And we pass on to our children two of the most important virtues in life. I was in Target uh, in Athens a couple weeks ago. We were moving Rachel uh, in, into her house, getting her ready for the semester. And Kim and Rachel had, you know, wandered off and they were doing things. And they just told me, they said, you know, we need you to find a trash can. And so that was my job. And so um, I'm wandering around Target. And uh, all of a sudden, an aisle over, I hear just this kind of dust up. These people arguing and and just, I thought, what in the world is going on? And finally, they make their way. They're pushing the cart, and they make their way over into the aisle that I was in. And it's a mother, and just from a distance, it looked like, you know, moving a freshman into, into college, probably. That's what it looked like they, you know, had the typical things in their cart. And, and that freshman son, and then it looked like he had a sister that might be a year younger than him or something of that nature. And, well, the, the brother and the sister are just arguing back and forth. And, I mean, it, I mean, it was awful. I mean, it was bad, you know, not just a little little uh, incident. And I thought, my gracious, and they're coming down the aisle, and I'm listening to this. And then uh, then I, the mother, tell, you know, tells them, you, you know, you guys need to kind of cool it. And then they both immediately turn on the mother. And some of the most disrespectful stuff I have ever heard come out of kids' mouths to a mother. And I'm at that, and I start making my, I, I thought, you know, I mean, it gets a little testy, you know, but I thought, man, this, this, uh-uh. You know, you cannot talk to your mother this way. And so I sort of start moving in that direction. I took one step, and the mom turns around, starts giving it back to them twice of what they were given to her, the same, I'm talking about language, just the whole, you know, and it was just a demonstration. It's like, whoa, and I, I just backed up. It was just a demonstration. You can see, really, in that interaction where they learned that from and where it came from. And it was just obviously a pattern in that family of not respecting one another well. And, I, you know, and I thought to myself, again, we're shopping 30 minutes or so, going through the uh, the checkout line, and I see them, you know, two or three lines over, and they're just still going at it. I mean, ugly stuff, ugly. And clearly didn't care that anybody heard it, didn't care what anybody thought about it. Again, clearly a pattern in their homes. And I thought to myself, man, how miserable would it be to live in that environment? And I believe so much of what we're seeing in our culture today is a byproduct of love and respect not being modeled in the home. When you don't learn healthy ways to give and receive love and respect, you end up trying to demand it. And we see that all around us today. People demanding rights that they don't even have. People demanding to be treated ways that they're not willing to treat others. I thought about that this week. We, we lost a legend 
Aretha Franklin. And just watching some of that old footage of her and uh, Gary was telling me about a, a recording that he had heard of her singing in church when she was 14 years old and just take the house down. I mean, what what a gift. And a believer. Aretha Franklin loved the Lord. I saw an old interview with her this week where she was talking about uh, R-E-S-P-E-C-T. And she said this. She said, we all require and desire respect. Man or woman, black or white, it's a basic human need. If you disrespect everybody you run into, why in the world would you expect them to respect you? Mm, So true. Saturate your home with love and respect. And then raise your kids with the truth. And raise your kids with the truth. Give them something solid to stand on. Because if they don't stand for something, they'll what? Fall for anything. They'll fall for anything. We see that happening time and time again as kids go off to college. They don't have a solid foundation in the truth. And they end up buying the lie. Raise your kids with the truth. Bring them up, Paul says, in the training and instruction of the Lord. In the nurture in the admonition of the Lord. And respect, love, honor, forgiveness, reconciliation, humility are all biblical virtues. They're all grounded in the unchanging truth of Scripture and embodied in the person of Jesus Christ. And raise your kids with that understanding. Expose them consistently to the Scripture, to healthy Christian communities. Show them what it looks like to live this life in Christ out. The nurture and the admonition of the Lord is better caught than it is what? Taught. They're going to do what they see you doing. They're going to value not what you say you value. They're going to value what they see you valuing. Got a call from Rachel yesterday. Uh, it's one of those calls you hate to get. I answer the phone and uh, and she says, Dad, uh, I, I've just been involved in an accident. I said, oh, baby. And uh, it's not Rachel's first rodeo. So um, we, uh, I get to share these about three times a year. And I'm sure y'all going, to, oh, he's told this one. No, this is a different one. Um, she said, uh, so, Dad, I've been involved in an accident. She said, somebody just hit me. I was like, praise the Lord. Uh, to, you know, no. she, said, she said, somebody just rear-ended me. Um, and, uh, she said, and it was up here off 92. She was coming in to, uh, to, to go to an event uh, for the night. And uh, it was in front of Taco Mac. She says, yes, this guy just rear-ended me. He said, he's just come up to my window. I roll my window down. He smell, he's just reeks of marijuana. She said, you know, and and he's just begging me not to call the police. I said, roll your wind up and call the police. And and so she dialed, rolled her wind up. I said, I'll be right there. So I jumped in the truck and heading that direction. She calls 911. I did the same thing. And uh, and and when I got there, the Roswell police were there, and they were uh, they had this fella pulled to the side. Um, couldn't, you know, didn't have insurance, uh, all that fun stuff, and, uh, uh, and they're searching his car. 
you know. And then all of a sudden, you know, uh, evidently he he had a he was going to a wedding, I think, and all of a sudden some of his friends and family, you know, park up there near Brewster's, and and then the, they come down jawing at the police officers. I mean, it turned into just this huge scene because the police officers had smelled that and they were searching the car. And uh, I say all that to say this: Rachel's okay. Um, car is going to need to be fixed. But uh, you know, as I pulled up on the scene, I noticed there's 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 this guy. And uh, he is tattooed, nothing wrong with tattoos, don't get me wrong. He's tattooed literally from forehead to toenail. And he has three teardrops right here tattooed on his face. And I'm like, Rachel, you made a good decision rolling up your window, baby. I mean, it was a, you know, it was a scary, it's a scary dude, you know. And then I noticed there's this lady, this girl with him that looked either be his wife or his, his, uh, his girlfriend. And then what looked to be an eight-year-old you know, little girl, either their daughter or, you know, her daughter. And I just thought to myself, what a shame. I mean, clearly, you know, they they were, uh, you know, smoking pot and what have you and distracted with an eight-year-old girl right there in the car. Um, just breaks your heart. And, you know, we live in kind of a bubble, many of us do, and, and we forget, you know, just what is going on in families all around us today. Those of you who teach, and many of, us, many of you are in the public schools, you see it. You see it every day, so much more uh, certainly than I do. But it just breaks your heart, and you just say, golly, Pete, man, unless God intervenes there in, in just a, an amazing and supernatural way, Man, these kids don't stand a chance. They're just not raised with the truth. They're not raised with the foundation uh, that they need to be raised with um, without having healthy role models in their life. And it's just sad. So model love and respect in your home. Raise your kids with the truth. That's just just a glaring example of how not to do that. It pays dividends. As the Apostle Paul goes on to say, he says this in Ephesians 6, uh, verse 1 through 3. He says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for that is right. Honor your father and mother, the fifth commandment, which is the first commandment that comes with a promise, that it will go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. And so my final point this morning in kind of improving family dynamics. And this is such a broad stroke message today. I told the worship team, I said, you know, I could do this, this message is a series, and I'm just trying to condense it in. But the, the last point I have for you this morning to improve your family dynamics, honor your folks, man, honor your parents. Honor your folks in every season, regardless. Regardless. God knows how important that is. That's why he says, if you do this, not just because you think they deserve it, not just because they treated you that way and you're going to treat them well, no matter what, he says, if you do it, it's going to go well with you. When we don't honor our parents, when we live in unforgiveness, when we refuse to give them the love that Christ has given us, it is not going to go well with us. Bottom line. 
So no matter where you are with your parents or no matter where you were with your parents, God calls us to a place of honoring our mother and father, loving them the way Christ has loved us regardless. And for some of you that requires some just mind-boggling forgiveness. And I get that. But that's why God told us to do it because... It's not so much, certainly they receive a benefit out of that, but it also releases you to be all that God desires you to be in that relationship. One of the surest ways to guarantee relational discord in the family is to dishonor your parents. From small children all the way up to to adults. And when you grow up in a, a home where love and respect are not shown, Honoring your mother and father doesn't always come easy. In that fifth commandment, Deuteronomy 5, and God's not suggesting here that we honor our parents. He's commanding it. Because He knows what the family is. He knows that the family is a microcosm of society. And if children dishonor the authority in their own homes, they will ultimately dishonor the authority in their society. And finally, they will dishonor the ultimate authority. God knew what he was doing when he put the family together. And we see it all around us. This cycle of dishonor, of pushing back on authority. Honoring your parents through obedience when you're a child is one thing. But for many of you here, what does it look like to honor your parents in every season of your life and their life? You know, as I shared earlier, Kim and I have had, you know, a lot of a lot of practice with this over the last 13 years, and and I'm I'm sure that we'll have more as as Kim's an only child and her parents continue to age. But but what does that look like? You know, there's no handbook on it. That's for sure. It can be difficult and it can be a source of relational friction in the family. How to handle aging parents and, and working together as siblings along that accord. You know, Jesus again, as always, is our example. Jesus honored his mother. Do you remember that picture at the cross? While Jesus was hanging on the cross literally sacrificing himself for us, sacrificing himself for the family of God, suffering in pain. And Jesus says this. He looks down to Mary. He sees, his Mary, he sees Mary and John, who's referred to as the disciple that Jesus loved. They're standing nearby at the foot of the cross. And Jesus says to his mother, as he's dying, woman, here is your son. He says to John, friend, here is your mother. What a picture of caring and honoring your parent. From that time on, John took her into his own home. You think that was easy? Not even your mother. Paul told Timothy this, he said, Anyone who does not provide for their own relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. 
And that will get your attention. When it comes to how we care for not just our parents, how we honor our parents, but how we care for our relatives, it's complicated. I get that. We have so many complicated relationships in our family. It's not even funny. But we're called to provide for our relatives. What does that look like when it comes to aging parents? Again, it's not crystal clear. So many of us are in that season right now. And I have these conversations with you guys in the church almost every week. Fundamentally, what I think that means is this, and this is relatively broad. When it comes to honoring your mother and your father, make sure their basic needs are met. If it is possible for you, make sure their basic needs are met. And and, and I want to reiterate in this that this is not a guilt thing. You know, so so much of this can foster guilt in us when we don't feel like we're doing enough and those kinds of things. That's not God's intent in this. Make sure their basic needs are met. Make sure they have shelter and clothing and food and water and, you know, just the basic need. Make sure they're safe and secure. Many of you are dealing with parents with dementia. Many of you are dealing with parents uh, who, who are struggling cognitively in that way. This is tough. But as far as it is possible with you, make sure they're safe and secure. And sometimes you've got parents who push back on you trying to make sure they're safe and secure. It's complicated. But more than anything, we can do this. We can make sure they know they're loved. There is nothing more important than that. For some of you, these are easy things to do. For others whose parents don't have the means and don't receive it well and you're already spread thin, man, this can be a remarkable challenge. But God doesn't put more on us than we can bear. He puts us in the family that he's put us in for a purpose and he reminds us that there is a season for everything in life. God is the author of the family. And if we're to relate to family well, we must look to Him constantly. Lean into Him, rely on Him, and live like Jesus lived, sacrificially. It's going to be a sacrifice. There's no getting around it. Sacrificially loving and honoring those that He's gifted to us even when we don't know what to do with them. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you that your grace covers so much in our lives. And Lord, you call us to extend that grace uh, to others. Let us begin in the families that you've placed us in. Let us be uh, those who, who model and imitate uh, the, the footsteps of Christ in our families. And Father, I pray where difficult dynamics are present, and uh, certainly almost all of us will have those um, at different seasons. I pray that you would give us wisdom. I pray that you would give us patience. 
I pray, Father, that you would give us the grace we need to walk through those relational difficulties and be a demonstration of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Lord, this side of heaven, we're all imperfect. And Lord, we're all part of that challenge on occasion. And Father, I pray that you would just continue to to lead us and guide us into the way you'd have us to relate with those closest to us. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.